All right, uh, we are talking this month about uh, worldview, uh, the idea of uh, shape being shaped by a biblical worldview. So today is really introdu- introductory. I just want to get you thinking with me, um, and we're going to spend this whole month talking about this issue. You know, the, it's clear that the world tries to bombard us with all kinds of different perspectives and ideas on just about everything. They want you to buy certain products. They want you to have certain attitudes, sometimes liberal, sometimes conservative. There can be political uh, you know, interest in trying to get us to think certain ways. And we even uh, realize there's kind of a Christian perspective on practically everything. Underlying those perceptions uh, is, a, is a worldview an idea or a perspective that's not in a vacuum, but a whole set of assumptions about how the world uh, thinks about them or how people think about the various needs and things in our life. And that's not unique um, to us. It it applies to everybody. The truth is everybody has a worldview, a way of viewing uh, how you view the world, how you view marriage, how you view your family, parenting, uh, how you live your life, and your um, how you deal with the Bible and Christ and your perspective about that. Because the Bible has a worldview. It's God's revelation of himself. The Bible gives us insight into God's perspective. It is really seeking to show us God's way of thinking. I mean, how else are you going to know that? You know, God's way of thinking is presented to us in the Word, in the Scripture. That's why it's so important to us. It's the final word about human conduct and beliefs and religious opinions. Uh, therefore, we, uh, we don't try to adjust the Bible. We allow the Bible to adjust to us, to adjust us, to give us the right perspective. How, how does God want to shape your life or your way of thinking. A lot of times we don't know how to do that. You know, we think sometimes that I have a biblical worldview if I just go to church. Not true. You know, it helps, but a biblical worldview is deciding that I'm going to live my life and make my choices and my decisions on the basis of what God has to say and what God uh, teaches. So thinking about God's way of thinking. Now, maybe you don't realize it, But every day of your life is affected and influenced by uh, your worldview and the worldview of the people around you. You know, your friends have a worldview, your coworkers, the media, celebrities, uh, all all kinds of people around us. And it determines uh, your happiness and your success in life. It determines how you feel about things in your life. It determines your peace of mind, your stress level, your confidence level. So we're talking about throughout this month, about being shaped with a biblical worldview. What is God's perspective on me, on my thinking, on the different areas of my life? What is, what is life, what is biblical perspective really like? Seeing life from God's uh, point of view. So I'm inviting you to join me on this journey, uh, to think about how you think about things, how you, how you view the world around you. So we're talking about worldview. So what is a worldview? Uh, that's kind of our beginning step. A um, little definition would be, I printed it for you there, the beliefs and convictions that I build my life on. 
the beliefs and convictions that I build my, it's how I view everything. It's how I see God. It's how I see myself. It's how I see other people. It's how I see Satan. It's how I view sin. The world includes my thoughts about life and death and family and friends and marriage and parenting, my past, my present, my future. So our worldview takes into consideration how I think about things, how I view things, and I'm going to make decisions and choices on the basis of that. Um, You know, Forrest Gump had a worldview. He said, life is like a box of chocolates. Why did he say that? He said that for him, life was sort of like not knowing what you're going to get, but you're going to pick one and take a bite and say, ooh, am I going to like that or not? Life is like that box of chocolates. That's a worldview. Uh, You know, you you don't know what you're going to get, he would say. You know, other people sometimes say, um, show their worldview in things like uh, somebody might say, well, I think life is like, and then they fill in the blank, or I think life is like uh, a party for some people, or life is like a circus at my house, or life is such a battle. All those would be worldviews, how you view the things that are going on around you. Again, everybody has one, and it's important because this is it's such an important tool in guiding and directing uh, your life. Here, think about it this way. The, uh, the worldview is the basis on which you make decisions about your life, how you decide what you're going to do. How you, you know, God wired us in such a way that every time you start to make a decision, you assess the information that is going on around you. I'll give you an example. Like if you, uh, you know, you're driving into downtown Pekin and you get in one of those, you know, get the parallel parking and get your car in there and then you got to decide what you're going to do. You know, am I going to open my door? Uh, I'm always making sure I don't open it like right in front of some car to knock my door off. Uh, you know, you're looking around. Can I get my door open? Yes, I can. I can step out. Now I'm going to decide, am I going to, can I walk across the street? I'm looking at the cars that are coming. Can I get across and beat that car that's coming right there? And I decide I can. And I'm going to get, so I'm, I got this, this view of what's happening around. I'm not just jumping out and just going and doing whatever I want to do. Now I have a perspective that I'm looking around what's happening in the world that's determining the decision that I'm getting ready to make. And you do that thousands of times every day. Your worldview impacts how you make decisions on the basis of your life. For instance, um, you know, if you believed that the world was going to end tomorrow, it would definitely affect how you live the next 24 hours, wouldn't it? It would have an impact on you like that. That's a worldview. It's a perspective that I'm looking at things around me and determining how I'm going to live my life. What, can, what are my convictions going to be on the basis of that? And what we're talking about is not like just philosophy class. It's, it's clarifying how do I think about things. It's not just an academic pursuit. or I mean, it's very practical the, how you are influenced by the things around you and how you're going to be this person of influence on the basis of your worldview. Now, um, you know, basically, you know, a worldview is, or, you know, a philosophy idea is sort of like thinking hard about something. You know, you could decide that you're going to think hard about dandruff, you know. (laughs) And and you could, you could, you could decide that you're going to think hard about it, and so they might call you a philosopher of dandruff, you know, and you got your worldview based on that. I know that's ridiculous, but... um, 
you know, it's something that you sit down and you think about. And so that's why I'm asking you to go on this little journey with me so that we can think together about how God brings about newness to us. God not only changes my heart because he forgives us of our sin and causes us to move away from living for myself and living in the flesh, deciding that I'm going to live for Christ. He not only affects my heart and forgives my sin, he affects my mind and how I think about things. He says the old has passed away and the new has come. How does that come about? Well, that's basically him reminding us that we have a relationship with Christ. When you invite Christ into your life, he changes how you think about things. He changes who you are. You know, when you stepped into that new identity with Christ, the problem is that we still have these old videos that are still playing up in our head. Amen? I mean... Those old videos are things that people told you when you were growing up. I mean, you, you know how it goes. Is somebody says, well, you're so uncoordinated. Well, sometimes it's hard to get that out of your head. You might start believing that about yourself. You're not good at sports, or you're shy, or you're loud and boisterous. You know, if somebody expects that of you, then you start doing that and being that more often. Somebody might say, well, you're not good at math, or you're really not good at this or that. All that stuff, if you believe that in those Tapes go over in our head that you were told by people in your family or professionals or people, peers of yours. All those things are in that database there. I wish sometimes that in, you know, come maybe right up beside my ear, there was a little delete button, you know, and you get this video going, just delete that out. And I wouldn't, you wouldn't have to think about that anymore, but that's not the way that it is. We have to have the spirit of God that comes to us to give us God's view rather than our view. We're not living on the basis of what these, all these other people have said about us or the circumstances that have happened to us. What is God's perspective? What is God's truth ab about that? So that's, that's my desire is to, to understand this worldview. What's in, why is it important? Because you can just be very unhappy if your worldview is messed up. Uh, you can have uh, a heart that has not really been cleansed or changed by him. We have to get ourselves aligned with the truth, uh, with reality, uh, with what he has to say to us. And the good news is that whatever your worldview, whatever your perspective is, uh, whatever that's making you struggle, um, the good news is that worldview is a choice. Nobody's holding a gun to your head and saying, you got to think this way. No, nope. uh, God created us with a free will and a free choice. And God allows you to believe whatever you want to believe. He doesn't force any of us. He's not forcing anybody today. If your beliefs are making you miserable, if you aren't working that out in your life, if you're not living a, a biblical perspective in your life, God says you can make that change. So what I'm doing this morning is highlighting some things that, that we don't want that are not biblical worldviews, give us some perspective there, and then just to highlight some things that we're going to be learning and talking about as we move along in this process together. So worldview. Uh, worldview is beliefs and convictions that I build my life on. So I have seven of them here that are, uh, that are worldviews that we have in America. Now, if we were in some other country, we might could talk about some other worldviews because there are hundreds of them, ways that people think about their life. So I'll give you several here. Number one, the one with the most toys wins. You ever seen a bumper sticker like that? Well, the next time you see that, that's a worldview. That worldview is materialism. Materialism. And I wrote out beside it there, my stuff, my stuff. 
You know, materialism says that the only thing that really matters in life is the accumulation and acquisition of things. Materialists believe in life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. <laughs> and if you can't afford it, just charge it. Uh, you know, we, we think many times that I'm more, more, more that I'm worth more, that my self-worth is wrapped up in the things that I attain. It's called materialism, collecting things, accumulating things. Uh, the whole materialistic attitude, uh, not being spiritual, is talking about the material. It's getting things. Get all you can, keep all you can. Now, Jesus responds. He really challenges that mindset, that worldview. Jesus said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Uh, life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. He is saying, uh, you know, don't judge your life on the basis of what you got. Materialism is not the direction that he, that he wants for us. That's not his, his perspective about our, what our world's view should be. Number two, I've got to think of me first. Me first. Here he's we're not thinking about my stuff, but we're thinking about myself. You know, we live in a very me-first mentality, don't we? I mean, all you got to do is watch commercials. You watch commercials, you hear those commercials, have it your way, we do it all for you, obey your thirst. You've you got to think what's best for yourself. Um, you deserve it. Um, we, we see all that, and it's an, it has an individualism built into it. Individualism says that I, I know that there's other needs out here, but my needs are of greater value than the needs of those around me. It can be totally self-centered, individualistic way of life that says, you know, I'm many times ignoring those others around me, and I'm doing what's best for me. Again, Jesus taught against this worldview. Jesus said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. That, that's that self-centered individual, saving your own life. But whoever loses their life for me or for my sake will find it. Jesus says, really, the only way to live is in relationship with him, that your significance does not come from your status or your money or your job or the things that you have or your focus on yourself. Your significance comes from knowing Christ and celebrating your life, your relationship with him. So he's going against the conventional wisdom. Number three, three, a worldview is do whatever feels good. Do whatever feels good. Live for pleasure. Have fun. Um, we're not going to be singing. Um, Girls just want to have fun tonight. I don't think at the launch. Uh, that's not the idea there. Uh, you know, the, the worldview here is hedonism. Hedonism. Hedonism is a focus on my pleasure. My pleasure. It's a desire that says the most important thing is how I feel. How do I feel about this? If, it, if it's something that feels good, then it must be good. And if it feels bad, it must be bad. Your feelings become the judge of everything. You live for, for pleasure. You, uh, you live that, that hedonistic lifestyle, looking for comfort. Uh, the whole goal of your life is just to be comfortable. God created pleasure, right? God created pleasure, but he said, that's not the goal of your life. Your goal of your life is not just to have fun, to have pleasure, that's never the goal. It's a byproduct 
Pleasure, joy, fun is a byproduct of a right relationship with God. Uh, it's not the goal of my life. Proverbs uh, 21, 17. You're addicted to thrills? What an empty life. The pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. You ever hear that song? I think it's Mick Jagger. You ain't got no satisfaction. Uh, the pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. It'll take you so far, and then you'll have to replace it with something else. If the pursuit of pleasure is what you're trying to use to have satisfaction, you ain't got no satisfaction, that's for sure. Uh, you always want something else. It's a worldview. It's a perspective. Don't hold that against me on that one, all right? Uh, <laughs> Materialism, me first, hedonism. Uh, how about this? Number four, whatever works for you. Whatever works for you. But this is a big one, right? Don't you see this one? Uh, in other words, it might not be my thing, but if it works for you, fine. Doesn't really matter if it's right or wrong. Doesn't matter if it hurts anybody. It's, if it works for you, have you heard that? Sort of that different strokes for different folks kind of idea. You know, in a multicultural, pluralistic kind of world that we live in, this is really popular. Um, but what, what the problem is, what nobody wants to say is, that's wrong. There's something wrong with that. You know, nobody in our world today wants to, wants to say anything negative about what's right or wrong. That's pragmatism. Pragmatism says, whatever works for you, that's fine. The problem is that things that people do, some of them are sinful and evil. There's such, a, such clarity about that. Just because it's pragmatic, which is about my way, don't we all love to get our way? But that's not the goal of our life, to get our way, to be pragmatic, to, to decide that, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. It doesn't matter what you have to say. Proverbs, again, Proverbs 21, 17, um, excuse me, 14, 12 says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. You know, you just can't break God's laws. God's laws, God's biblical perspective, you know, if you, um, you, know, you can decide, well, I, um, you know, I'm just going to stand against gravity. <laughs> so you find yourself a big building and you go jump off the building there. You know, while you're jumping off, here you come down and somebody sticks the head out the window and says, hey, how's this going? And you say, so far, so good. Because there's going to be a big ending right there uh, at the end. Seems right. I mean, I meet people all the time. You know, guys, ladies at times that are in some kind of affair in their marriage. You know, here I am trying to get them to come to church and I'll say, um, How's that going for you? So far, so good. You know, they just don't realize that there's going to be consequences uh, from all of that. Recognizing that just because you decide whatever works for you, that doesn't necessarily mean there aren't going to be consequences to that. Um, here's, here's another one. God doesn't exist or matter. That's, that's some people's worldview. That's called naturalism or you might even say atheism. You know, most atheists don't admit that they're atheists. They, they just think that life is sort of just a random choice, that God doesn't really matter. Um, you know what the truth is? If God doesn't exist and if God doesn't matter, you don't matter either. 
I mean, that, that's just a logical, rational perspective. If there's no God and God doesn't matter, then I don't matter because I'm just an educated piece of slime. Notice I didn't call you that, by the way. <laughs> you know, like you're just some kind of freak of nature, something random that just showed up on the planet. So, I mean, that's why if, you know, people believe that violence is okay. What difference does it make? It doesn't really matter anyway. Well, certainly it matters. If there's no plan, no purpose, no design for your life, then it has no value at all. The only value comes because God loves you. God has created you. God thought you up. Otherwise, you have no value at all. It has no meaning. It has no purpose. I mean, if you remove God out of our life situation, then we have no purpose at all. He's our designer. He's our Savior. We're not just here by accident. He chose. It's not just naturalism. Listen to this verse from Romans. Romans, this just tells you everything you need to know uh, about this issue. It says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. Like, have, don't, you notice that, don't you? You can see God everywhere. People that don't even know anything about the Bible can look at a sunset or look at something beautiful in creation and see what God has created and know there is something going on about that. Somebody created that. I mean, if you're walking along and you see some kind of rock laying there, you know, you're not thinking, how did that rock get here? I mean, it's kind of a random thing. But if you see a watch, you don't think, oh, that just fell out of the sky. No, somebody made that. Somebody made it. Somebody created. Everything is not just random. God has brought about his creative work and revealed himself through his creation. The verse goes on. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God. I always want to say they knew about God. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began, listen to this, to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. I was so, I've been so surprised at uh, some of the reading, some of the blogs that I've been reading this week. You know what people are loving to do is to just jump on Billy Graham. All these liberals are, have you been reading some of that? You know, some of that stuff is out there where they, they went, now that he passed away, coming against all these things that, that he's uh, coming up with all kind of foolish ideas about God. Now, uh, it, it's, it's just, first of all, it's just so disrespectful, first of all. But beyond that, it's an expression over against a worldview that somebody like Billy Graham stood against, stood for, and now how people are bringing their own worldview. And all I could say was it sounded like this foolishness that was going on. It says, as a result, their minds became dark and confused, caming to be, lie, be wise, they instead became utter fools. Over and over again, you can see that. Uh, recognizing that God is at work and he's accomplishing something in us. It's not about naturalism. There's no God, that God doesn't exist. He certainly, uh, he certainly does. There's another one. Uh, this one is, you are your own God. This is like humanism and secularism. Uh, humanism uh, basically says that, um, you know, we don't, we don't worship God. We, we are our own God. It's a worldview that says I'm the master of my own fate. I'm the determiner of my own destiny. I'm in charge. It's a lot of this self-help talk that goes on that I'm like a little G God. You know, that was the original temptation of Adam and Eve, wasn't it? They wanted to be their own gods. Uh, you know, 
Satan trying to convince them that they would be in charge, that they would have the mind of God. I mean, if, if you're God, would you please solve some of our problems, by the way? You know, you're not God. I'm not God either. God is God, and we're not. Um, you know, we say we're the master. I'm in God. I'm, I'm God. I'm in charge. You know, God wired you to worship. So everybody worships something. You know, you can worship God or you can worship something God created. Uh, that's what people do. Uh, we can we start worshiping something God created or we can choose uh, to worship him. Look at this verse, Romans 1.25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, by the way, Paul says. Amen. Uh, that's another worldview. Uh, a worldview that is... Uh, about idols and status and all the things that we worship around us. One more. The last one there at the bottom of the page says, God made me for his purposes. God made me for his purposes. That is theism, that God is directly involved in our life. Colossians 1.16 says, for everything, absolutely everything, including you and me, Above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose uh, in him. Absolutely everything was created by God, by God, for God. Until we learn that and live our life from that biblical perspective, that worldview, life makes no sense. He's encouraging us to have this, this kind of worldview. Now, top of the next page, two myths that I'll give you. Two common myths about what you believe. One of them was called this one, the sincerity myth. The sincerity myth. Here's how it goes. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. You heard that one, obviously, by your laughter. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Well, the problem is you can be sincerely wrong. You ever felt that? You had to admit that? You know, sometimes I'm absolutely sure, and you know, I'm giving my perspective at my house or whatever, and my wife will say, mm-mm. <laughs> and what I don't know is I don't know some things, you know, and she's giving me correction in here, and I'd say, oh, okay, I was wrong. Uh, so, uh, you know, we all do that, don't we? We can be sincere, but we can be wrong. Why? Because it takes more than sincerity. It takes more than sincerity. You know, if I had a glass of water up here and I looked at it and I thought, this is a glass of water, I'm going to drink that, but I, am I absolutely sure there's not some bacteria in there that's going to make me sick? Because no matter how much I believe that's a glass of good, clean water, if I drink that, I'm going to get sick, even if I'm sincere about it. He's encouraging us. I heard about this pilot who uh, flew his plane right into the side of the mountain, and he, he was so sure. I, I, he was so sure that he was high enough but it didn't matter. The mountain didn't move because he was sincere. He was in the wrong, and he crashed his plane. Uh, truth is always true. I mean, it's always true. That's why we hold so tightly to the Bible. Uh, what was true is still true and continues to be true. Just because our culture has decided they don't like this or that and they're going to change it, it doesn't make it true. Not truth. Sincerity is not enough. Um, did you, did you know, I, I didn't say this in the first, did you know there's a new society out there that's called the Flat Earth Group? I mean, there's some smart people that have decided that all these satellite images that they see of the curvature of the Earth are, is just a conspiracy. And that the Earth is... See, they can be as sincere as they want, right? It's ridiculous. Uh, people can be sincere and still be utterly... The other myth is situational myth, a situational myth. 
Situational myth, this is really popular, says that it doesn't really matter what you believe because it all depends on your circumstances. All depends on what's happening. You can believe one thing in one situation and believe another thing in another situation. And that creates enormous stress on your life, doesn't it? Um, you know, you can see it all around you. You know, if you say, well, when I go out on a date, I'm going to have this worldview. And when I go to church, I'm going to have this worldview. And then I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to have this worldview. And when I do my taxes, I'm going to have this worldview. And, and when I go to school and I cheat on a test, I have a, you understand what I'm saying? It's just, it's just according to whatever the situation is, and I've decided that I can make it right one way or the other. But it creates confusion and stress and negative uh, emotions because truth is always true. So this month, we're thinking about how is God shaping me? Am I willing to be open about his truth and how I'm living my life? Because honestly, you got a pretty good worldview sitting in here. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but what I'm trying to get you to do is to think about what is my worldview out there? What is the situation I'm dealing with uh, out there in my life, in my relationships, in my marriage? Um, so uh, what, why does it matter what I believe? Right here it says, my life is shaped by how I think and what I believe. How I think and what I believe. Look at this verse from Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Uh, so what you believe, um, what you believe about that, that begins to shape how you think about things and ultimately determines your behavior and your vision and your values. Proverbs 29.18. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Don't you think that's true? Man, if you can't see what God is doing and you're only doing your own thing in one of those other views, a good way to describe that is stumbling all over yourself, right? I say that to her because I know she knows a lot of people like that. There's a lot of stumblers, right? And we can be that as well. We end up stumbling in the chaos of what's going on around us because we don't have the right view. We don't have God's perspective uh, on what's happening uh, around us. Uh, that's a really good verse to kind of help us get that perspective. So uh, we, yeah, I'm so grateful. I feel like my life is blessed. You know, my, blessed, my life is blessed not because of where I grew up. My life is not blessed because of the mama that I had. I had a great mama. But that didn't, that's not what made the difference. I, don't, I mean, I had all kinds of opportunities, just like you, to make a mess of my life. Lots of choices, lots of opportunities to do that. Still can. You know, it'd be nice if he'd give you a little bubble to live in. You wouldn't have to put up with all this stuff around here. But we don't have that. We have to make choices. God is shaping us, giving us biblical perspective, shaping how we think about things. So how... How can I allow God to change and to shape my worldview? Because we look at a crumbling culture, we see crisis around us, we see corruption, we see chaos, we see confusion in families, we see conflicts going on around us, all on the basis of contradictory and incompatible worldviews with the Word of God. Conflicts that create conflicts in our families around us. So uh, how can I allow God to change? Now some of these are going to show up in these weeks to come, but I want you to, to think about these. First of all, that we learn what is true. We learn what is true. 
That, that's part of having a biblical worldview shaping me. I learned the truth of what God has to say. Jesus is uh, teaching us in his word. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount, right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us about these two guys that go out and build houses. And one builds his house on the shaky foundation of sand, and the other builds his foundation of his house on the rock, the solid rock. And when the storms came and the struggles came and the waves were high, the one that built his house on the shaky foundation, it collapsed, it fell, and it crumbled. But the guy who built his house on the solid foundation of rock, it stood the test of time. What is, what is Christ saying? Christ is saying you're either going to build your life on the truth or you'll build your life on the sand of the untruth of the world of popular opinion. What other people say, if you build on sand, your life will crumble around you. We learn the truth. We learn what God has to say. We learn that we're not just trying to have pleasure and fun or to be famous or to be hip about what's going on around us. We recognize that eternity is in the balance, and we learn uh, the truth. Uh, Proverbs 23, 23 says it like this, buy truth and don't sell it. Get wisdom and instruction from understanding. He's saying, go, go after it. Seek after the truth. Don't go get it so you can sell it and gain something else weaker or less, but go out and find and seek and learn uh, the truth. How do we learn the truth? Well, we learn it from the scripture, and we also, number two, discern what is false. So we're not only looking at what is true, but we're discerning what is false there from the message, 1 John 4, 1. My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Well, duh, <laughs> right? <laughs> Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. God help us. I don't want to be that. Uh, boy, the Bible just comes right up on your face, doesn't it? Uh, just tells you the truth. Um, you know, recognizing, you know, you, you're, you're not... You're not looking for Pastor Brock's worldview. You're looking for Jesus' worldview, looking for the Scripture. You know, you have to test what others are saying, what others are teaching, even me. You know, looking at it and, under, you know, we, we have to examine those things because we're not looking to me to be the answer. We're not looking for some other preacher or some Sunday school teacher. Uh, you know, we love all them, and we love great teachers, but we have to be careful to make sure that our focus is on him. We've got to look and make sure we discern uh, what is the truth. Um, number three, turn from the world to the word. Turn from the world to the word. Uh, Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He's saying, don't conform to the pattern that you see of the world out there. There's a biblical perspective that he's longing to give you. Don't become so caught up in the culture that you fit in with their thinking. Think, have a worldview that is based on Christ and the scriptures for us. Last one. Learn, discern, turn, concern. Concern yourself with God's agenda. Luke 12, Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Uh, he's encouraging us to think about the, uh, the truth of Scripture. The last verse there, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 20, says, Stop thinking like children in regard to evil be infants, but in your thinking... Be adults. Be grown up. Be thinking about things from a spiritual perspective. 
Uh, the way we're going to close today is I got some people that are coming to help me sing. Uh, and then, um, why don't you stand up with me while we, while we finish this service? Um, one of the things I wanted you to think about to try to help you get, get your mind on this little journey we're going to have is I want you to think about posture. Posture. Now, I'm not talking about your mama making you sit up straight or putting your back straight. I'm talking about posture toward God. What, what is our posture uh, toward Him? Because if you think about posture, and we're going to talk about posture all the way through this series, because it's going to be our response to how we're dealing with worldview. Uh, so, you know, one of the things I um, heard this lady talking this week, and she was talking about uh, using your hands as an expression of your posture. So why don't you do your hands like this? You look like you're ready for a fight, right? You got, you got your fist up. So this could be our posture, and we could say, would you repeat after me? Lord, I confess that I spend too much time defending and fighting for my own way. My position, my attitude, my behavior. I confess that I often fight against you. Your truth. Your plans, your, plans. Your, will. your will. Instead, Instead. I, choose to hold up my hands. I choose to hold up my hands. Say that again. I choose to hold up my hands. I surrender. I surrender all I am. I surrender all I have to you, Jesus. I choose to live in surrender. Keep your hands up. Isn't that so much better than that? Surrender to him. Surrender to his worldview. They're going to help us sing a song. You can put your hands down. We're going to sing this song. Well, what I want you to do is to think about surrendering to Jesus. Surrender to him. Surrender to him every moment of every day. Surrender your thinking to him. Let's work together on what it means to be in full surrender to Jesus Christ. That our worldview is not any of this stuff out here or something that we learn from somebody else or the way people have talked to us or even the people that you live with. That my view of the world is filtered directly through my surrender to Jesus. Now I'm going to give you some other posture uh, posturing that we can do as we go along. But as we sing this song, think about, I surrender to Jesus.
in praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, here's where we start. What's my posture? My surrender to him. We're going to do some more of that. But I want you thinking about your, your, your surrender to him. Not just in church. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you walk. Do you see it through the lens? Through the, that, that's who he wants us to be. That's who he wants us to be, is to have this perspective. Not of these worldly things, but a biblical view, looking through the eyes of Jesus and be who he wants us to be. Individually, as a family, as a church. I hope you go home and talk about some of this. Talk about the stuff on here. And think about this month, how God can really move us along to ending up with this biblical worldview that he longs for us to have. Let's pray. Lord, man, what energy and enthusiasm in this room. Lord, you're, you're receiving such praise today, Lord Jesus. Thank you. We love you. We want you. We, we put down our fist. We lay down our fighting against and trying to have our own way. And we lift our hands and surrender to you. We confess. We can't do it without you. We need you. We pray that you would teach us about our posture. And show us how to live in a right relationship with you, with the right view of the world and the people around us. We pray that throughout this month, we'd be changed. We'd be impacted. We'd be different because of your truth. We praise you together in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Praise God. Amen.